in the monsoon session we will legislate the digital personal data protection bill which is going to create a total behavioral change amongst all these companies who collect data from india so what uh, was said on your show that i am very worried about technology uh, data being transported and exported will come to a grinding halt people cannot export data people cannot misuse data there will be no exploitation of personal data anymore after this bill is passed aap pe aarop hai ki aapne pubg ban kiya that's that's true ban kiya hai aur hum hamara in a sense duty to all of you is to keep the internet safe we want to make sure that for the 120 crore indians who are on the internet the internet is always safe and trusted hmm. and therefore PUBG का बैन वॉज जस्टिफाइड बट बी जी एम आई हैज बीन अनबैंड सो आई थिंक पीपल हु आर वेरी कीन ऑन दैट फॉर्मेट ऑफ बैटल ग्राउंड गेमिंग आर हैप्पी एंड देन ऑफकोर्स दर इज ऑल ऑफ ड्यूटी एंड ऑल ऑफ दोज अदर थिंग्स स्टिल दे कैबिनेट मिनिस्टर्स गेस्ट इज द मिनिस्टर ऑफ स्टेट फॉर ऑन्टरप्रनोरशिप एंड स्किल डेवलपमेंट एंड द मिनिस्टर ऑफ स्टेट फॉर इलेक्ट्रॉनिक्स एंड आई टी when i headed into this podcast i was expecting that i'll have a non political political conversation like i've had with all the other cabinet ministers but the moment the camera started rolling rajiv chandrashekar sirs layers shed off and i felt like i'm talking to an engineering college senior he came down to my level and spoke to me about technology about the future of technology about the future of india about geopolitics and about countless other subjects that you're going to enjoy through the course of this particular episode this is just two engineers nerding out basically i'm sure you're going to get to learn a lot from this one big thanks to sir big thanks to my gov for teaming up with trs and helping us produce this incredible series of cabinet ministers featured on non political political podcast for the first time on the indian internet here we go with one of the most knowledge packed episodes from our recent series enjoy rajiv sir pumped as hell to talk to you okay I've been holding that back Great. and trying to be formal with you, but okay. I'm too pumped about talking to you. Great, I I'm getting pumped as well. I'm <laughs> getting pumped. I'm getting pumped up as well. No, this is amazing. I never thought I'll be talking to someone of your stature about the kind of subjects that the internet wants to hear Indians talk about. Good to talk about those. So you went to America. You had a career there. You came back. You had an entrepreneurship career, and now you have a political career. And I think everything that you used in your technology career and your entrepreneurship career you're somehow bringing to the world of politics am i right yeah i think so i i i don't know if it is about only that but i think what you learn as you grow up uh, you finally bring to bear when you get an opportunity to serve your country and your people so certainly my life's learnings are helping me in politics yeah um you know you're the third chat i've done in this uh, week of political chats for myself and one thing i've noticed in common about yourself smriti irani and piyush goyal is that though y'all are full of work like when i saw you guys walking around that you can tell that there's thoughts and all that going on but when someone engages with you you're fully present in the conversation and there's no concept of saturdays or sundays every every day is basically the same lots of troubleshooting lots of strategy am i right yeah look i, I think the answer to that question is that we all are part of a mission 
and the mission is to create a better india a new india for newer younger generations like yourself and those who follow you so it is a mission and when you're on a mission you don't take a holiday and you don't think of a holiday you think of the doing the good work that you have to do for uh, those who are going to be benefited by it okay uh, i asked piyush sir this question about how cabinet ministers operate my assumption is that you guys are surrounded by a lot of subject experts who keep throwing problems and strategy your way anything else no look uh, there are different people have different uh, models uh, i personally tend to engage with a lot of people who are in the real world stakeholders of what we are doing uh, so and that is the best way to understand what the challenges are what the opportunities are what the gray areas are what people have understood what we have not understood so i don't surround myself with experts i think everybody today on the internet is an expert you are an expert and so are most of your viewers i always tell my uh, officers that an 18 year old knows more about tech today than any uh, gray head uh, bureaucrat mm. or indeed a subject matter expert mm. so we tend to engage with a lot of youngsters uh, because i think they know more about what the future is going to look like than anybody with any phd or any uh, any so called uh, subject matter knowledge would you be open to a bunch of 22 year olds working with you yeah we do it all the time i uh, uh, for example every policy that we do every rule that we come up with any f- strategy that we come up with here uh, we engage with youngsters for example online gaming mm. we did not just deal with online gaming companies we brought a whole group of gamers who range from 14 year old to 28 year old uh, who are gaming experts and they gave us a perspective that certainly no gaming company could give so yeah. i think it is part of what we have to do yeah to listen to the young indian and uh, be uh, in a sense enlightened by how much they know and what they know okay uh, have you ever watched aapki adalat yes of course aap pe aarop hai ki aapne pubg ban kiya <laughs> that's that's true ha ban kiya hai aur uh, hum hamara uh, in a sense duty to all of you is to keep the internet safe mm. to keep the internet trusted and while we love innovation we love what young indians and indeed youngsters all over the world are doing we also have an obligation to make sure that uh, things are not uh, bad things are not uh, unsafe things are not trust, uh, mistrusted so there are certainly interventions where we will intervene and say this is not good and we will lay out very transparently the criteria for why it's not good we want to make sure that for the 120 crore indians who are on the internet the internet is always safe and trusted hmm. and therefore pubg ka ban was uh, <laughs> justified uh, but uh, bgmi has been unbanned so i think people who are very keen on that format of uh, battleground gaming are happy and then of course there is call of duty and all of those other things still there <laughs> cabinet minister is saying these words <laughs> you're saying call of duty bgmi <laughs> Uh, it's cool no no so i think look gaming is uh, certainly part of the lifestyle of uh, younger indians and youngsters all over the world and we certainly don't want to be sitting there and playing an old grumpy uncle or mm. old grumpy grandfather and come in the way of that but we have a duty to not just to the country but to all of you as well all the youngsters as well that we have to make sure that what is out there is not addictive does not disrupt your lives is does not create harm for others for example women gamers many games uh, are hostile environments for young girls who want to be also gamers so we certainly will do our bit in intervening ki these type of issues should not be there in your game hmm okay uh two prong question 
One is how do you look at the world of gaming? Because the world of gaming is extremely excited about where it's going, especially financially. Yes. You know, uh, be it the gaming content creators, competitive gamers, or even gaming entrepreneurs, people are extremely pumped about where Indian gaming is going. So are you guys aware about it in the technology ministry? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And that is why we recently came up with these rules that have creating a framework so Indian games can grow. Mm. Indian gaming companies can grow. Uh, we, you know, I mean, you know, I know Call of Duty and so many, there are so many uh, gaming labels and uh, games out there. But I also want, and the Prime Minister also wants that in the next five years, there are more and more Indian games. Right. We are gamifying Indian stories, Indian scenarios. So uh, I am very confident that over the next three, four years, there will be multi-billion dollar gaming entrepreneurs, gaming startups that come out of India and that gamify stories that you and I know as youngsters, or if you don't know it, at least I know as a youngster, that can be beautifully gamified. So there is a tremendous amount of potential that we don't have to go to Call of Duty. We can do an equally exciting yeah. uh, uh, product or a game that is really India-based. Call of Kurukshetra. Perfect. Where you get to... Yeah, exactly. There are so many stories in our history of battles. Mm. Valiant battles, Rana Pratap, Shivaji. Mm. There are so many of these stories that can be gamified that uh, I believe that uh, while the formats may be similar, that the Indian stories, uh, the stories that you and I have heard when we were children and uh, can have a great potential of being gamified. Yeah. Now I'll ask you the second aspect of the same question. Anji. What was the internal discussion? Like, did you talk to PM Modi about PUBG when it was at its peak? Like, how did you guys figure that this needs to be banned? So PUBG is very simple. It, it that it fell afoul of a couple of things that we think are, should not be done. Okay. For example, the server should not be abroad. Data should not be exported of consumers because it violates the fundamental right to privacy. Mm. That is part of Article Twenty One of the Constitution. You and I have the fundamental right today that our data cannot be used by or misused by anybody without our consent. So there were a lot of these types of issues that were violating your uh, rights uh, as a consumer and all your uh, viewers' rights. And that is why it was done. And plus, there is an aspect of some games that are addictive, cause harm. So even on content part of some games, there are some issues that PUBG fell afoul of. So that is why. So these are simple decisions. There is no, uh, let's say, there is no subjectivity to it. Okay. I don't like this game because as a criteria hai, and that based on that criteria, we take a call. Okay. Uh, was there any geopolitical angle? No. no. Not, none, nothing, none, nothing, nothing like that. Nothing, nothing like that. Ge geopolitics is only to the extent that data of Indian consumers cannot leave the country. Gotcha. To that extent, that there is a geopolitics hmm. in it. And that is a violation of the constitutional right that you and I have. Yeah. Okay. What about the TikTok ban? The TikTok ban is uh, certainly something that you know that we have taken a decision on that way before the world has. Mm. And now countries are struggling to take a decision because it has become so ingrained. TikTok has multiple issues with it uh, and it is not anything to do with uh, the fun that people have and the ability to post uh, videos on it and so on and so forth. There are many issues about its ownership, what they do with data, what type of algorithms, we don't know visibility of what type of algorithms they're using to serve what type of content to use. So till we are clear about the transparency of the fundamental backend of any product, including but not limited to TikTok, we will certainly not permit it in India. Yeah, yeah because uh, while it is a nice, hip, fun app, and I've used it as well, 
frankly we are not clear today even today even the americans and the europeans are not clear about what is happening to the data that is being harvested what type of data has been harvested how is that data being used or misused of you and hundreds and thousands of people so i know some young people were upset about uh, the, the the ban on tiktok but i think there is sometimes a larger issue of sec- your own security your own data protection that uh, needs to be addressed uh, vis-a-vis just the convenience and the fun yeah um i think it's very cool that you listen to podcast yourself mm-hmm. you were talking about how you listen to lex friedman and yes. there's a lot of technology nerds who are listening to this podcast sure. and are kind of silently clapping for you because we don't expect honestly people over the age of 45 to even really be in the world of podcasting but it's cool yeah i mean it is not just cool i tell you when our audience is a young indian my principal stakeholder today is is you and those who watch you uh, if i don't listen to you i would be uh, foolish so therefore i am on the dark internet i crawl around there i listen to youngsters i heard just two weeks ago an 18 year old boasting about how he sim cloned and hacked a, a crypto wallet uh, on a on a chat group so this is all stuff that i also need to learn and understand i have absolutely look i've done my thing in tech but i certainly am humble enough to realize that what is happening today there are many many young smart uh, guys who know a lot more uh, and it is very very important to be plugged in listen to you and be respectful to those who know the future and know about tech and engage with them because there is much to learn yeah it's it's crazy that a cabinet minister still educating himself through the same content that's available for the general Absolutely, public yeah uh, i i find that extremely fascinating what i will ask you is about crypto you mentioned yeah, it yeah, that's yeah. another hot topic yeah. how often do cryptocurrency conversations come up in the cabinet no look crypto is a is an issue that has been discussed tremendously uh whether it's at the cabinet or the government or at, at the administrative level because a on one hand and i have said myself on record uh, that crypto and the web3 and the blockchain is uh, is something that you cannot fight it is the inevitable future of the internet however crypto without some guardrails web3 without some do's and don'ts represents also the ability to create chaos and you Ponzi know schemes. misuse yeah so therefore i think on crypto uh while everybody loves the technology nobody wants to come in the uh, come uh, in stop the innovation on web3 we think that the issue of whether when it's used to be exchanged into rupees and dollars that whole uh, fungibility and the exchange and uh, money transfer needs to be governed by some laws mm. and unfortunately in india what happened as in the as in the us where trillions of dollars have been lost because of the meltdown is that people went into this and made it more of a punt more more of an investment how much is bitcoin today how much will it be day after tomorrow instead of saying i want to use bitcoin to transact my finances mm. so when it became a speculative asset class and a bubble then governments had to intervene and say look and as a matter of fact the way we approached this way back in march 2020 march 2021 uh, sorry march 22 who is the reason that many many young indians and including young indians saved themselves from the meltdown that happened happened afterwards with all the meltdown that you know that happened in the crypto space crypto is a great area i encourage in innovators to continue there but 
it certainly needs some global sort of rules and uh, you know like a framework before it can actually be wide, widely used and recognized by governments when you meet technology ministers from other countries do you all talk about crypto yeah yeah of course i mean i was in the eu recently uh, we had a technology trade council meeting between the top brass of the eu european commission and uh, mr jay shankar and pujji and me uh, from india and we were talking about everything ai crypto the blockchain what is the future how should we regulate it because governments all around the world are grappling with the same challenges mm-hmm. and they are looking at india and indians as leading the way not just in the innovation not just in the good not just in the bad but also on how to address Uh, the policies and the rules and regulations for the future why are they looking at us as leaders in terms of policy because of the sheer presence of india on the internet today we are the largest connected nation in the world okay. we have 800 million indians who are using the internet our innovation ecosystem is the third largest in the world but the fastest growing in the world mm. and one thing i don't know if your viewers know there isn't a space now in the technology economy of the world where indians are not present mm just 8 years ago 9 years ago when you talked about tech in india we would say it ites the infosys the tcs the uh, you know those kind of companies that did a lot of back office work today every area of tech ai quantum semiconductor microelectronics uh, the internet uh, consumer tech every space has indian innovation and indian thought and indian uh, intellectual property so i think there is a very very different perception about indians and indian startups and indian innovators today than what it was in 2014 okay little personal question yeah, for you even... uh you came back from the us you reversed the brain drain yeah. in a very big way and today you're sitting in the cabinet yeah uh is there a possibility for us to reverse brain drain like would you actually like to send out a message to indians who've left the country because i had at least 50% of my friends from engineering college left in order to either make more money or escape the families Pranmeer, I'll give you two examples, okay, and this will be slightly uh, the two examples will be slightly long. First of all, you see today uh, when when Google and Meta laid off these thousands of people in the U.S., I had a video conference with some of them, and I said, "But why aren't you coming back to India?" And uh, the the opportunities are in India, and a lot of them are wanting to come back to India. It is clear in the tech space that the sunrise nation, if you want to call it, the rising nation. in terms of opportunities is india i'll give you another example in an area like semiconductor there is a gentleman called jim keller who is the architect of tesla's ai okay tesla's everybody knows he sets up two startups in semiconductor design for ai compute where does he set it up in bangalore he doesn't set it up in Sil- silicon valley he sets it up in bangalore the message and the in a sense the hawa is very clear that the center of gravity for the next 10 years of innovation whichever area it is quantum semiconductor the internet web3 crypto india will be certainly an indians and startups in india will be a big force multiplier mm. so that reverse brain drain has in my opinion already started Okay. Now, if you're retired and you're settled down in the US, I, I, they are going to settle down there anyway. If you're 68, but if you're 35, you are, you know, starting out. People are choosing to start out now in India rather than go all the way to the US and be part of some uh, a large organization or small organization. So, in my opinion, the reverse brain drain, recognition of India as 
the land of opportunity for innovation has already begun what do you feel in your heart about brain drain after having worked in the us oh, look i i i certainly think that there was a time and a place for people to go abroad because there was no opportunity in india and i i i use as an example what i put out in parliament in 2012 that 97% of the indian banking systems net worth was borrowed by nine companies in india nine family companies in india so therefore if you and i in 2012 wanted to start a business also you could not start it so for many young indians it seemed pre 2014 that yahan pe kuch hoga nahi there is no opportunity for me here i may be smart i may have a lot of smart friends but i can't do anything here i cannot succeed here because i don't have the connections i don't have the last name that has changed dramatically 100 unicorns 100000 startup everybody being able to raise capital mm. building out the story succeeding failing as the case may be so i think my heart tells me and i say this uh, i have attended i have visited 53 universities so far since i become minister i say with great confidence this is the most exciting time to be a young indian in the history of independent india you are the luckiest guys and girls <laughs> that india has uh, to, since independence because you have opportunities you have an enabling environment you have capital there is nothing to stop you from succeeding uh, if you are working hard uh, if you of course if you don't work hard then no, nothing can help you but uh, certainly i believe the youngsters who watch your program are the luckiest generation in the history of independent india yeah. thanks to big bros like yourself <laughs> <laughs> I, i don't know what is big bros like ourselves but certainly it's like a planetary alignment you kehte na horoscope mein yeah that fair. some things have happened 2014 the country elected a prime minister who uh, really believes in the future and potential of our young indians and we are where we are today where the world looks at it with such awe and respect yeah uh, and awe and respect not just for the country but awe and respect for every young indian yeah i have so much to say about this whole reverse brain drain thing i've mapped this out in my head a lot i feel there are successful entrepreneurs already in india who can kind of create that first invite to a lot of the engineers especially that we see abroad mm-hmm. because what we're lacking is not tech talent but tech experience mm-hmm. tech know how mm-hmm. you know people who already worked at big ai companies who've studied who've done the ms in ai sure. ms and all these other things that you can only study in the us right. bring back those skills here start technology companies here ideally right. and then help the country become richer and yourself become richer by exporting abroad uh is that i know it's a very rudimentary way of putting all this but is that no the... but it's it's correct it's not rudimentary it's it's very it's very basic and common sensical that for a young person sitting let's say in the us who has deep knowledge about ai there is no way he'll come to india and want to do an ai startup because he'll say i'll do it in silicon valley why would i come to india unless there is a compelling argument for him to come to india and we are creating that compelling argument that it is easy to for you to raise capital it is easy for you to have data sets access to data sets we are easy to have connections with academic institutions and those who are really deep doing deep research in area in ai so we when we did india ai what prime minister has announced in the budget we didn't design it in the ministry mm. we created five groups of which included startups young students professors and industry and told them to design india ai so if you see in the next two weeks a big launch of india ai that talks about all these details of india and how exciting it is i can certainly tell you while i may be getting some credit for it it has been done by a lot of young uh, researchers young startups who have said this is the way ai should be attractive not just for themselves but also for those who are sitting in the us 
who are specialists in the subject same thing we are doing for every area quantum semiconductor all of these areas i i, I see today a so much enthusiasm from those who are abroad indian diaspora in the tech space deep tech space to want to work in india work with india for example i'll tell you you know i talked about retired people you know the number of retired semiconductor professionals who want to come now to india and teach young indians mm. so reverse brain drain is not just about enterprise and startups it's also about sharing knowledge mm. sharing experience so we are now creating a uh, adjunct professorship in all our higher education where a retired semiconductor professional or retired quantum professional can come here and teach the young students about what he has done for the last 20 years in the us yeah uh little controversial hmm. statement yeah. but i have a lot of faith in private education institutes yeah yeah i didn't have that kind of education you know like mm. when i was in college so things are changing and i feel it is actually it boils down to very high level higher education right. uh i will also say that as a podcast i get to meet people from all sections of society right. and not everyone favors the current government mostly people do and that's okay yeah. i think th- that is the nature of how politics yeah, is in the democracy country. yes people are not even willing sometimes to listen to the positives of the government i dated someone who so i i force myself to have a bit of a centrist perspective because i'm a media person and i think i'm supposed to get all the sides of the argument i dated someone who was against the government and if i tried telling her that listen but you know as an entrepreneur how i feel uh, about being a part of startup india or just interacting with people like interact with sanjeev sanyal it was mm. so cool interacting with yeah. like people like that are working in the government so i'm hopeful about where india is going but you'll never be able to convince that certain section of society and i'm hoping that the podcast at least shed some light on the truth of what you guys are doing it feels great to be an entrepreneur even i'm very hopeful about the 2020s and 2030s right. because i think collectively as a nation we are becoming a lot richer mm-hmm. which will up the quality of life it will up the levels of education Correct. uh how are you guys looking at that minority which is like criticizing you guys constantly and not even listening or not is not even open to what you guys are doing no no look uh, the, we are we live in a democracy we are the world's oldest democracy we are the world's largest democracy and so therefore some amount of dissent some amount of pushback cynicism skepticism is inevitable in a democracy but to a large part uh in our democracy for several years and decades people have propagandized uh, and that propaganda has stuck in people's heads about uh, our party being anti this or anti this or anti that and it takes a lot of patient engagement to tell people who we really are and what our intentions are and what our ideology is so we do that now for example i spend a lot of time now for example during the karnataka election i'll i'll explain to you what my campaigning was like I had about twelve programs where we I interacted only with groups, small groups of people, where I would take every question, hostile, good, bad, skepticism, cynicism, uh, based on propaganda, whatever, and answer them as any responsible public servant should. If you ask me a tough question and say I think you are, uh, uh, you know, doing this, all this is hawa baji and this is all nonsense, nothing is really happening, I will sit down with you. It is my duty to explain to you. So we really the best way to convince. anybody who is a critic is to understand what he or she is upset about what he or she believes or disbelieves and try and shed the truth on it if there is certainly something that we, he or she think that we have done wrong okay uh, now for example there are many people who think that our 
approach towards Pakistan should be more about lighting diyas and being hugging and warm and fuzzy and talking peace rather than being this you know tough security line and it is a point of view accepting that anybody who deals with pakistan must to understand that that is not a country that is responds very well to coaxing and cajoling so these are issues where there will be legitimate discourse legitimate debate there are for example people on the left uh, of the economic spectrum who believe that there should be no private sector mm. and there should be all more and more government Uh, there should be more and more socialism that is a legitimate political ideology uh, but we differ with that we think uh, enterprise free enterprise private sector youth this is what our view of the future of our economy is going to be those type of disputes and discussions are legitimate in any democracy that happens in western europe that happens in the us that happens in japan that will happen in india as well but where i take a lot of uh, time to explain to people is when they have misgivings based on false information or misinformation modi ji is against the community bjp is against somebody isko there is no basis for it uh, and i always say you look at the last 9 years of our track record there is no discrimination there is equitable access inclusion of the the best kind to everybody regardless of gender region geography faith and if you can point out one example then i am willing to say fine you are right so that is the only way to engage there is no reason to get angry there is no need to get upset uh, as a minister i am very very uh, used to a cynicism and skepticism towards politicians and i'll give you one example to basically uh, to to sort of narrate this when the ca happened my daughter who's uh, who's now 21 years old she was in high school uh, and she said no 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 dad what is this this is terrible and and my all my friends don't like it and all of that and she was you know she was ready to have a fight with me and uh, all of that and i invited all of them home over a cup of tea uh, there were 20 21 uh, children who showed up and i explained to them and i said tell me what about this is according to you controversial or what about you according to you this is discriminatory but after that reason the discussion they were fine excepting for one or two who really were in a sense uh, invested in the left ideology and uh, deliberately wanted to disbelieve the intention why don't you give a gist of what you told them i told them look there is nothing in the ca for example that says this person should not be allowed that person should not be allowed all this is saying is those who want refuge in india from from regimes that are known to be discriminating against those religions whether they are buddhists they are christians they are hindus we should give them the right to have safe refuge in india which is not to the exclusion of anybody else there is no exclusion of anybody of any community any religion to seek asylum in india and seek uh, um, uh, immigration into india so this was uh, explained to them and they understood it uh, and so i think increasingly as you take difficult decisions decisions that have been put under the carpet for decades because people felt it is not politically correct uh, you will always have people who basically say no no but you are doing this for this reason mm. okay uh, and uh, this government believes that we will explain it we are holding ourselves open to any kind of scrutiny and any kind of report carding that you want we will give you the facts we will give you the truth and if you persist 
that despite knowing the truth you don't want to like us then yeah. i can't help I, i can't do anything about that i mean the one thing i understood through the show is that the anti bjp narrative is that uh, you guys don't want minorities to yeah, yeah. and and i say boss mujhe batao na what is it uh, whether it is building homes for the poor whether it is giving water supply whether it is give, where is it that we say anything that is remotely even coming into that territory yeah um the narratives i've heard mm. after talking to all you guys is everyone is very i hate using this word but entrepreneurial and i think india's at that point where we need to be entrepreneurial and united but people who want to see the bjp fall will use this narrative as a marketing campaign uh and say that look these people yeah, are against so me i'll tend to explain this in a very simple way we are trying to build and our narratives about the future of india okay we are building a future that is full of opportunity and hope for everyone for everyone and that is why sabka saath sabka vikas is a very important statement of intent yeah so we are building this beautiful future where you are not limited by the system you are not held back you are competing globally and we are building this story narrative about the future with our current work but there are many people today we are a 75 year old democracy there are many people who would like to pull the country back into the same old same old politics of the 65 years divide and rule divide rule create suspicion create fear perpetuate fault lines fault lines have existed in our societies for decades and centuries yeah we don't want to talk about the fault lines we want to talk about the future of india where those fault lines don't matter but there are people who want to constantly bring up the fault line so you know we say and i think we are seeing in the election after election majority of the people if not 100% certainly want to look at the future look at building a better future for their children for their next generation rather than get dragged back into the same old tutu meme about the fault lines ye kab tak hum fault line ke bare mein baat karenge we yeah. have to talk about the future yeah I think there's three primary thought leaders here who are actually trying to bite at you guys. One's uh journalists who have just taken on that thing of being against the BJP. Mm-hmm. The second is probably uh some leaders of the opposition who are constantly putting forward narratives. And again I'm not batting for you here. This yeah, is just yeah. my observation. Third is content creators and I also feel everyone is entitled to their own opinion but as consumers you need to read between the lines. for me this whole trip of talking to you guys in the cabinet i've constantly read between the lines and i can genuinely vouch for how much you guys want to take the country forward for the next generation yeah so uh, ramit we are an interesting country in a different way i'll tell you why we are 1.2 billion indians and 1.2 billion indians are all using the internet and will use the internet so even if 1% have a problem with the government imagine the number it is 12 million you understand so from an internet standpoint having one guy say one person on an uh, influencer saying repeatedly negative things about the government will certainly find himself with at least 1% 2% which is 24 million 36 million people mm. so there is no such thing as a small audience in india and so we have done many many experiments and trials in the ministry today anything that is that is misinformation if you use your platform to say something totally wrong but it is very very uh, explosive it will go viral 10x 15x at the velocity and it will reach an audience maybe even 100 times more than what a regular content will reach mm. if i was sitting here and you were asking me questions and i was only abusing uh, some opposition leaders i can certainly tell you you will get more eyeballs and more yeah. virality on that content meme material uh, yeah, exactly <laughs> so 
so i think that is the nature of what uh, the internet has created the dynamics are there that you it is noisy it is going to be extremely noisy and verbose and on top of it we are a democracy which encourages a debate and dissent so we should not get i don't get particularly perturbed uh, when i put something i get 100 people giving me gyan about uh, what i put you have to learn to basically blank out the toxicity blank out noise stay focused on what is good what is positive on the internet and the internet is certainly a place that if you don't go searching for positivity mm. and get swayed by negativity and toxicity you will get led astray and then get sucked into that yeah. uh, so i always want caution people we don't want to censor we don't want to do any of that but use your common sense don't get led by the nose by somebody is out there only to provoke to incite uh, you know god has given us a brain that brain should be fully used in exercise when you are trolling yeah. and trolling the internet trolling yeah. the internet also i feel you shouldn't have extremely sharp opinions try yeah. breaking it down try steel manning the argument yeah no have sharp opinion this is not i mean india like uh, you know it's very difficult for our democracy for indians not to have sharp opinions Let's have sharp opinions but if you're on the other side of a sharp opinion you should be you should have the habit of listening to it and moving on right you don't need to get into a slug fest every time there is a uh, sharp opinion because then you'll be only engrossed in that mm. you will get dragged into it and sucked into this so much that you will not be able to do anything uh, with yourself excepting get into the slug fest yeah. and the yeah. anonymity of internet use today on social media platform everybody's anonymous lends itself to much more bravado and hubris and volatility mm. and toxicity than otherwise would be possible if you and me were sitting in a room we may disagree but i will not get into that level of tutu me me because uh, i i'd worry that you know taekwondo or some you know, martial art and i'll certainly restrain myself in the internet that is not there so i always tell people look it is the nature of the beast learn to live with the beast very random question for you is modi ji aware of all the memes that are made about him I'm sure he does. And meme memes are also positive by yeah, the way. Yeah, positive memes negative. carry like branding forward. Look. I think anybody who is so tech involved as he is knows all the good that happens on the internet and all the bad that happens on the internet. Mm. All of that is real and spontaneous and all of that is uh, sponsored and uh, agenda driven. So this is all known to everybody. No. Huh. There's a lot of love in the memes, also. Oh, hundred percent. Look, I, I, I was with him. I had the good fortune of being with him on the on the gadi when he did the roadshow in Bangalore. There is, I mean, if you had even one percent doubt about how much he's respected and loved, all you need to do is go on that uh, on that three-hour drive with him to see how people were going crazy for him, mm. and not just the old folks or the old people. young uh, bengalurians were lining up and throwing flowers and weeping and crying and screaming his name uh, which reminded me of some rock star uh, type mm-hmm. of adulation so look there is no doubt in my mind no doubt in anybody's mind including those who oppose him that he is the most loved and respected people and there are polls that prove that he is the most popular leader in the world mm-hmm. and he is being called by prime minister albany is the big boss mm-hmm. <laughs> in a program in australia so the respect that he commands is today based on real capability real work real deliverable real achievements and a real commitment to our nation so that nobody can take away no meme no troll no nobody yeah again i think memes are a massive part of the times that we live in and they're genuinely also positives yeah. memes are not just ways to make fun or criticize someone memes are ways to celebrate people yeah. also 
so in many ways modi ji is the become the face of many meme pages and that's honestly a celebration from this generation it's just that maybe the older generations don't understand the essence of what memes are do you follow memes yeah of course i do and okay. so we i follow so many pages with memes uh, people forward it to me and i i i agree with you completely i think memes are a recognition of uh, the person recognition of the person's uh, work and achievement so i think look like i said on the internet everything cuts both ways yeah there will be adulation there will be support and there will also be people trying to tear you down yeah. that's just the nature of the animal and i yeah. think we have to focus on the positive and try and learn to ignore the negative yeah i've been at it with youtubing for 8 years i have released about 500 podcasts and then recently there was a meme of me doing this which was me nodding yeah. have you seen this no i'm not okay that was my biggest career boost <laughs> <laughs> i find that so silly I but see. it is what it I is see, yeah uh you know i spoke to piyush so yesterday about how you guys are a bit of a team mm-hmm. you know and there is a bit of sports culture for lack of a better word and there's a captain mm-hmm. that's pm modi yeah okay and i'd like to compare this to uh maybe dhoni he's a captain sets the tone for the rest of you guys and uh kind of i would like to say maybe professionally mentors you in some ways mm-hmm. also now the thing is after you've played as a team together for a while your captain ends up becoming a bit of a big bro mm-hmm. a big brother am mm-hmm. i right so mm-hmm. i would like to ask you what's pm modi's big bro side like on a more human side what's the emotional mentoring like you know so i have uh, i have had opportunity to engage with him for some years before i became minister as a mp one of the things about him is he's very accessible Hmm. you would not think that uh, is very intuitive uh, about about him a, such a busy person dealing with so many complex issues would give you time to meet just an mp uh, and but one of the sort of signature things about him is he's very accessible the second thing about him is that regardless of where you come from left or center center you may be well informed about a subject when you go out there he is all attention you see to a lot of people like me who are not classic politicians this is an amazing validation that what we have to say what we have to suggest what our ideas are uh, resonate with the you know most successful political leader in our century so he listens he is very patient if he disagrees he'll tell you if he agrees he will uh, congratulate you and the third aspect of him which for me personally i have uh, experience after i became minister he is very invested in each of our successes mm. so his guidance to us is about how we could be more successful and i remember uh, very vividly one of the first meetings i had after i became minister with him and i told him i want to do this you know as usual i was blabbing and i want to do this, do this i want to do this and he said but you should also focus that you should be successful so that gives you a, a sort of a focus on what his expectations of you are that you ought to be successful not just do work so that he is invested in your success he is really encouraging your success he's rooting for your success as an individual and he does this for every one of our 75 ministers 74 ministers so i think it's a tremendous thing to learn from him to be mentored by him and to really you know you've heard the classic adage you must respect your leader and the leader must be respected i think and i have had the opportunity to work some very smart bright people in my life i have interacted with jobs bill gates andy grove and i have met some what i consider really really capable people capable personalities 
but i have yet to meet a person like prem narendra modi and i'm not saying this because i am from the bjp nor am i saying this because i am a minister truly as an indian i say he his his capability is thinking his clarity and his humanity his humanness towards his colleagues and his uh, party workers is just something very inspiring how has he done it how has that mind no, developed no i think that, that is the person he is i think he's so okay. he's so confident about himself he's so secure about his vision secure about where he wants to go where he has come from that he uh, absolutely uh, you know is is very part of his nature to see other people becoming successful mm-hmm. whether it is an indian citizen who is becoming successful indian entrepreneur who is becoming successful startups becoming successful or indeed his colleagues in politics okay. so uh, that's i think that's what uh, for me is that i want to be successful because he wants us to be successful mm, okay speaking about success in the cabinet what actually defines the success for a cabinet minister so here's my take again lots of trouble shooting figuring out how to plug holes forever through policy and have your policies worked in the long term is there anything else no no look in the tech space and the skilling space the deliverables are more than plugging the gaps it was to create this modern framework where we can have instead of 100000 startups we can have millions of startups uh, instead of having only consumer technology and the internet being the area for startups we should have the next generation of tech emerging tech deep tech startups should be all be from india Mm. uh when people in the next 5 years talk about quantum computing and i look at the quantum next quantum computers and qubit they talk about something from india when they talk about ai they talk, that is the deliverable i mm. i don't think uh your viewers or you should misunderstand that our deliverables are something around the edges that it's all about plugging holes not at all we are building new india prime minister's vision is not to just take what was in 2014 india and just fix something on the edges he's he is basically transforming it where every young indian today who, where he, what he felt in 2014 is not what he feels in 2023 he looks to the future with so much of optimism that optimism is what we have to deliver mm. through policies through actual work through enabling framework so uh, i certainly think we know what our work is what he expects and what he expects is essentially lives of every indian in particular young indians and women to be transformed okay um uh, now i'm going to speak to the engineer in you sure. which is what i think is the highlight of this conversation okay because you're an engineer heading the technology ministry okay uh let's speak specifically about ai mm-hmm. do you use chat gpt yourself yes of course uh we had rajiv malhotra and abhijit chavda appear on the show mm-hmm. they're both a little afraid about indians using chat gpt because again it's that drainage of data data is the new oil etc uh you can speak at a high level in terms of engineering on this also so i would love for you to give your own vision of indian ai companies one two what's the real deal with gpt should we be afraid in the same way that we were afraid of say tiktok with it uh and three as an engineer do we have the talent to actually make world class ai companies yeah so the first thing about this is the underlying raw material if you want to call it for everything including the data economy or ai is personal data data of people in the monsoon session we will legislate the digital personal data protection bill which is going to create a total behavioral change amongst all these companies who collect data from indians so what uh, was said on your show that i am very worried about technology uh, data being transported and exported will come to a grinding halt 
people cannot export data people cannot misuse data there will be no exploitation of personal data any more after this bill is passed so that comes to a grinding halt now comes what are the real issues with chat gpt in ai and then everybody has a point of view and some people say it's great some people say it's very bad but with anything that is new technology and is disruptive and we there will always be people who are scared of it and there will always be people who say no no let's exploit it what we are saying is today we see ai as a very big deal for a digital economy and i use a phrase that ai is the kinetic enabler of india's digital economy we have a trillion dollar digital economy goal and ai is certainly going to help us get there mm. okay. ai innovation india can certainly lead the world and we are doing a number of things including what i told you about india ai however it is clear like anything in technology and more so in ai ai also has the potential to do bad things much more than any other technologies thus far and you're saying this as an engineer of course of course mm. and i have seen this deep fakes i can create a video of you tomorrow uh, in with uh, half in an hour, uh, and no no i can say you saying the most abusive things about three of your colleagues mm. and it will be absolutely authentic looking it will be a video but it will be totally designed developed by ai it will mm. be your voice so therefore ai we say needs guardrails what does mm. guardrail mean that we will define in the government of india in the in the forthcoming digital india act what are the no go areas for ai right so what in technical terms it's called we will regulate this to the prism of user harm mm. that you can do whatever innovation you want you can create whatever platform you want in ai you can have large language models you can do whatever predictive generative ai whatever however you are responsibilities to make sure no harm is caused to any user hmm. so we will create these guardrails and i think in a lot of ways we are leading the world in this conversation yeah did you see the sam altman thing with the senate where he says that we're very aware yeah, yeah. about the dangers yeah, of so this. somebody asked me and i said look uh, sam altman is a very bright person and he's obviously very knowledgeable in ai but we also have our views on uh, how ai should be regulated and maybe both of us don't agree on everything mm. he his point that i agree with is that ai cannot be unregulated okay uh, he also has a point that uh, the ai should not be regulated like the eu wants to regulate it on use case basis but we have a view that we want to regulate it through user harm he he's coming here in june he he's going to meet me for sure and we will have a chat with it uh, chat with him and we will share our views on it but i am certainly not and prime minister 100% is not going to come in the way of any new innovation simply because we are frightened hmm. we will embrace new invention new innovation we will embrace disruption but we will create all the protection and guardrails that are required to ensure that that innovation does not disrupt cause harm to any of our 1.2 billion indian digital nagriks is that the key aspect of your focus at this phase of life it is it is uh, clearly digital india act is a very very important part of the legislative work that we are going to do first week of june we plan to start the actual consultation for the first time in the history when we we have done consultation about a law with the people before the law was even prepared mm. we have done three rounds of pre consultation where a lot of youngsters came in and lawyers young lawyers young uh, users and they've all given us our their views and we are basically using that to architect this new contemporary law called the digital india act
ओके वॉट डू यू नीड यंग इंजीनियर्स टू हेल्प यू गाइज विथ बोथ इन टर्म्स ऑफ द इकोनॉमी एंड इन टर्म्स ऑफ वॉट एवर ए आई रिलेटेड स्टफ द गवर्नमेंट इज डूइंग टू थिंग्स आई थिंक एंड आई से दिस वेन एवर आई मीट गो टू कॉलेजेस यूनिवर्सिटीज फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल दिस इज अ मैजिक मोमेंट इट इज एन इन्फ्लेक्शन पॉइंट इन द हिस्ट्री ऑफ इंडिया इट्स द मोस्ट एक्साइटिंग टाइम फॉर दैम एम्ब्रेस ऑन्टरप्रनरशिप don't sit around and second guess yourself if you have an idea you're a techie you're in let's say you're an agriculturalist and you have a technology idea for agriculture or health or medicine just jump at it mm. the worst thing that can happen is that you fail but those two years three years that you spend in failing will be better than any post doctoral phd masters that you will ever do mm. so this is the magic time for entrepreneurship and startup so that's the one message i give second i say to all of them that entrepreneurship and uh, uh, enterprise and startups is not just simply about saying i want to start a company you must be good in that subject you must have skills you must learn read if i have books in my office it is not basically because i want to show off the books it is because these books keep one current keep you competitive that when i go to a meeting with the ec that i can basically say india has a perspective india knows about the future of tech as much as they do or if not more so today's entrepreneurs have to be very very smart mm. smart not just street smart and business smart but smart in terms of deep knowledge of the space that they are going to embark on so i say these two a magic moment for entrepreneurship b be smart get smart get the right skills there are many programs today to get skills be skilled upskill reskill uh, and be very very knowledgeable i'm 100% sure that you know about ai a little more than most people mm-hmm. why didn't we see a brown person or an indian make a chat gpt if we are truly supposed to be one of the smartest countries etc as we are the techies no. and and what's stopping us from creating it right now no ai I'll, i must tell you ranveer ai is not just about an idea ai has as is why did ai take 40 years to suddenly manifest itself into something that is a touch and feel product why because one of the things about ai is two things are very important for ai one is what we call data sets okay the second is what we call ai compute you need huge amounts of computing resources computational power computational like, power. which is actually physical power It's physical computer racks of servers mm. uh, gpus tpus paisa you, you uh, need money ha uh, money for those racks mm. money for those servers and for those servers you need data sets which is data that you have collected from people for that data says the internet should have been grown to a critical mass where everybody is on the internet and giving the data mm. so all this was not in place 40 years ago that was not even in place 10 years ago so now like a perfect storm the internet penetration is high people are using more and more the internet and giving their data and data sets are being collected in in billions and billions of giga terabytes of data are now available and finally because of companies like nvidia and google and so on and so forth there are these gpus and ai compute factories that have been built that can build on those data sets and create these generative ai platforms so it requires millions of money and those who are interested amongst your audience should read a book called genius makers it is the story of modern day ai how google microsoft uh, meta all fought Uh, to get to ai in the last 5 to 7 years mm. and how google prevailed in a lot of ways 
uh, and then OpenAI prevailed after Microsoft made the investment because they could really build these compute capacities. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Love first principles thinking. Yeah. Uh, and very few people can talk at this level, so I appreciate right. that. Uh, the one thing I've understood through the geopolitical podcast we've done is that a lot of the technologies used by the common person, common man, common woman, is first used by the military. And it's usually developed by the space agency ISRO. We've had an ISRO scientist on the show as well. Uh, one of the criticisms is that why doesn't ISRO get even bigger funding to carry out R&D, to carry out this formation of new technologies, etc. Do you want to address that? Because I, yeah, does yeah, that fall course. in your department? Yeah, no, no, ISRO doesn't fall into my department. No, but, but certainly I can speak to this R&D budget argument. Sure. Look, it is very clear from the history of semiconductors. If you read the book, Chip War is a, is a new book that has come out. Even the U.S. chip industry, semiconductor industry, came to being because of the U.S. Air Force's requirements of chips, U.S. Army's requirements of chips for their missiles. So the model that strategic industries, strategic sectors, in a sense, drive the future of technology and the evolution of technology is the correct one. And it is the same in India as well. Why is R&D uh, budgets not more in India? I don't think there has been any limitation in terms of R&D money. Today, if I go to the Prime Minister and say, we want another 1,000 crores in semiconductor design, he will give it. The issue has been focus. What are the strategic areas that India wants to be good at? Today, you could ask me legitimately a question, and indeed, you can ask the political class, why is it that after 75 years, we still don't have a fab? Mm. Why in India don't we, uh, are we not able to design and manufacture semiconductors? These are legitimate questions. But those questions are questions that need to be posed to uh, people who are in government for 65 years and what their priority was. For this government, for Prime Minister Modiji, the future of tech is a huge big deal because it directly impacts thousands and millions of youngsters in India. And therefore, we are doing things to create R&D, innovation, framework. Just to give you an example about R&D, since you brought up R&D, in the Semicon program of 76,000 crores that the Prime Minister has given for semiconductors, he has specifically set aside 1,200 crores for R&D. Mm. And then another 10,000 crores for creating an R&D fab. So the space sector has done a lot of good work. One of the first chips that was in design in India is designed by our ministry and ISRO combined called NAVIC. It is a global positioning system location chip that will go in two, three years, replace all the chips in the mobile phones where we'll use only Indian satellites for all our location-based services. Mm. So there is work going on and I, I don't think this characterization that there is no money is right. Okay, fair. I think I have one last phase of questioning. Sure which is quantum computing. Okay. Again, both Great. Abhijit Chavda and Rajiv Malhotra keep bringing it up on the show. They talk about it from a bit of a fear angle mm -hmm. in terms of the first country that actually cracks quantum computing will have a lot of hard power, geopolitically speaking. Is quantum computing a subject that's come up with you guys? That's one question. Second question, again, I'm talking to the yeah. engineer here. Could you explain it from first principles thought in terms of what it is? Sure. So... Uh, one thing is clear, uh, Ranvi, to your audience, yourself, myself, anybody who looks at the future, that disruptions are the normal. Okay, What you think is normal today will not be normal tomorrow. Who thought Google search monopoly 
would be challenged by bing because of uh, mm. chat gpt and open ai so we will keep changing in this in one particular area called high performance computing which we like i said ai compute high performance compute where we big big computers are created in the old days it was cray you know in india we have param there is a uh, there is a threshold that will be reached in terms of high performance computing that means at some point the investment return that is the investment that you make for an incremental return on performance will be unfeasible or it will not make it viable quantum computing comes in essentially for high performance computing that is how it originated of course there is a quantum physics part that originated many years and decades ago that basically say says that the way we look at the world of technology of ones and zeros digital or one zero uh, state yeah. there will be a total rearchitecting redesigning of that into qubits which is quantum state that it is not zero or one there is a quantum state and quantum states now i don't want to bore everybody with the uh, uh, complex treaties on quantum computing excepting to say this is a pathway or a runway to a totally new model of computing and new uh, redesign of technology to power computing L- let me have a short yeah, at it yeah, just yeah. to help sure, you sure, with sure, some sure. context okay so basically computers keep getting better as time passes Correct. at some point computers are going to get so good that they can calculate so deeply yeah. that you'll actually be able to create atoms and molecules inside the computer correct now what that effectively means is that the r&d the research and development that's going on in chemistry labs and biology labs will now be able to be done inside a computer which is not possible on current computers because current computers work on binary systems which is ones yeah. and zeros yeah. eventually computers are going to get so deep and so fast excepting one correction that the current track and trend of high performance computing that will not lead into quantum computing this is a totally parallel track okay this gotcha. is a totally different technology gotcha uh, for the so the quantum processor will be different the quantum computer will be different the the software that the quantum computers will run are with so this is not like a track that is going now which will end up with this right. this will go here and will end up with a break and you have to start a parallel track which is the quantum yeah. computing track basically new kinds of computers exactly right. uh which then will lead to lots of innovation in the world of pharma in the world of just science science will progress very fast because of those computers absolutely and and the current world of encryption for example i'll give you one specific example the current world of encryption is remains intact because the power to break encryption is so high the power of computing quantum computing will do it in a flash you mean anyone's passwords can be broken yeah encryption how you encrypt your data which is sent on an email mm. that can easily be uh, cracked so therefore quantum has started from the defense sector as you said in the earlier question it started from the strategic side in the us in many many countries and india today prime minister has noted this well in advance and that we want to be a player in this he has set aside almost 9000 crores of rupees for research on this area and it is a collaborative effort between department of science and technology meti and uh, department of telecommunication wow. so it's an all of government effort to get to quantum computing and uh, including working with some of the big names in quantum computing around the world to create the indian quantum mission okay so it's just again years of r&d will eventually lead to some sort of products a- and devices okay so we will have quantum communication 
products, you'll have quantum computing products, and you'll have quantum devices, the chips that will power the quantum computers. The best kind of defense is offense. Of course. Okay. Yeah, and in technology, there's no question of sitting still and waiting for somebody else to invent the future. Mm. We will be part of inventing the future and de designing the future. Effectively, the future is going to be about quantum, possibly cyber warfare. Like yeah, when, we, when we talk about warfare in general, everything's going to go cyber. Absolutely. And quantum is a very, very big force multiplier in that whole space. Okay. How and when did this conversation come up about quantum? No, the quantum is a known, uh, like, like AI, it has been around in the academic circles for many, many years. But it is now beginning to become practical with many companies investing in it. And therefore, like uh, the gentleman who came on the show said, it is very important not to be a, on the receiving end of quantum technologies in the future. Mm. You have to be on the round table and saying, this is quantum technology, this is quantum technology. Like in 5G, in 5G, the world designed a 5G, we designed a 5GI. Mm. And the standards body incorporated the Indian standards to make that the universal standard. Mm. So, so what, whatever happens to the future of quantum, India's fingerprints on it will be there, will be visible and should be there and should be visible. Yeah. Uh, something as simple as UPI. When you travel abroad, you yeah, get yeah. to know its value. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you if there's any other technology that we've not spoken about right now, which you would like to highlight as, listen, this is actually no, the where the India focus stack, which is again, Prime Minister Narendra Modi's vision. And it's a, such a tremendous thing because you have identity authentication on one layer, the Aadhaar, then you have the UPI, then you have DigiLocker, which is where you can share your documents without taking printouts and hard copy. And then multiple layers on education, skilling, medical, health, all that stuff. The world's government, so many governments want to implement that in mm. their governments, mm. in their countries. And in June, uh, middle of June, there's a whole global digital um, public infrastructure seminar or summit where there are going to be almost 30, 40 countries from the world coming and saying, we want this technology. And what is amazing about this, which I think all every youngster should know, a, a political leader designed this to solve a problem. What was the problem? That money that was being sent from the government, only 15 paise for every 100 rupees was reaching a citizen because of the leakage and corruption on the way they had to go to an office, show paper, stand in line. Prime Minister said, we want to do directly accounts, Jandan Yojana accounts, DBT directly to the people's accounts. 100% money, 100 rupees sent, 100% rupees reached. That, to solve a government and our India credibility problem, has created this global standard fintech ecosystem, mm. where there are so many young Indians today creating payment gateways, payment applications, startups. So I think, this is a ex beautiful example of how government and private young Indians are built together an ecosystem that the world today is respecting. Prime Minister Albanese uh, mentioned it in Australia. The Japanese uh, telecom technology minister uh, uh, mentioned it. It is absolutely powerful. The power of technology empowering people in India at this scale, the world is saying, Are wah, this was theory mein padha tha pehle. You know, we are seeing it in real live action. I have this vision of you walking into a diplomatic forum and the Chinese technology minister runs away from you. <laughs> Does this happen? No, I'm not. I mean, I don't think we are interested in anybody running away from us. We are more a prime minister's views. Let them all run towards us and okay. learn from us. We are very happy to share our experiences. 
whether it's vaccines whether it is technology or uh, dpi we will share it with the countries that want to really work with india and improve the lot of the people okay rajiv sir that's it that's the conversation thank you how thank was you, this very good thank you like very easy to talk to you're so you're such an easy going guy why should i be easy <laughs> i mean why that's, do you think i would be difficult no I, I, that's what you assume about politicians and it's cabinet ministers in general no but you're actually an engineer on the inside no, no, no. this is a very this is a, you know you get this type of a job uh, you have to be very fortunate to get it yeah and when you get it you should do what is right no no i'm i'm completely in awe of you like Thank i've you. become a fanboy at the Thank end you. of no, this don't episode don't be a fanboy <laughs> no <laughs> i love you sir you're the don't best <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, seriously thank you thank you it's very uh, educative for me we talk about all these concepts and people come on the show often and question the government and say that oh why aren't these things happening it's very cool that you came on a podcast like this and you're speaking to not just me but like probably the whole youth of the country that's listening Perfect. to this thank you so really appreciate it looking forward to having a longer conversation with you the next time Perfect. so done okay lots of Take. luck and just genuine gratitude thank you thank, thank you, you very sir. much thank you all i want to say at the end of this episode is that i'm hungry for another conversation with this man what i want from you guys the listeners is feedback on this particular episode i'm sure that sir is going to scan the comment section as well so you can give your feedback to him tell him what you thought i have always believed that trs has an audience that's extremely motivated about aggressive learning about aggressive knowledge accumulation and about aggressive perspective building so let's keep building our perspectives let's keep building the trs story very very grateful towards rajiv sir for an incredible conversation very grateful towards my gov for teaming up with trs and helping us produce these incredible episodes lots more coming up from this non political political podcast series ranveer and the team will be back soon and all these fantastic stalwarts from the world of politics will be back soon namaskar jai hind lots of love to you guys